Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. Another week, another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my amazing co-host, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? Uh, doing good. Uh, finally, finally played hockey again for the first time in probably a month. So it was uh, it was an interesting experience. It's been it's been a little while in the skates, so it was kind of an exhausting night. But uh, happy to talk some sports today. So enough. I'm kind of mad that I didn't get the invite, but I'll let it go. Irfan, how are you doing? <laughs> good. I'm back. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year, because I haven't been on since December, but uh, uh, good to be back and see the boys uh, talking some fun stuff today, Saturday morning. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, too. And if, uh, NFL Championship weekend has come and gone. Chiefs lost after everyone thought they were going to win. Um, it's NHL All-Star weekend. Everyone else thought they were going to win, not you and me, Kyle. We, we agreed that the Bengals probably could win that game. That's not the point. Just, of this. Just, just wanted to be. Just wanted you're to be good. Sure. Yes, you're good. Fine. Uh, Brady retired and then didn't retire and now officially retired. <laughs> that was a whole mess. Brian Flores mm-hmm. is suing the NFL. Um, All Star Weekend is happening. Chicago's chairman decided to go off the rails in a town hall. It's been a very busy weekend or week period. And uh, let's let's start with our kickoff segment. Sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to take your special team's game to the next level. This is them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy for more information. And boys, we are very, very lucky we are getting joined by a one of the hottest soccer writers in Canada right now. And I mean this because he was tweeted by Craig Forrest about his articles. Alexandre Gagnon-Rusic joins the show today. Alex, welcome. Welcome to the team. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to, to hop on, chat Canadian soccer. Great bit of momentum, really, for the national team right now. The national team is, is on fire. Uh, I'm just pleased to be able to play a part in, in that just watching the games covering the games and uh i mean yeah with the run of form there they're in it feels like they're they, they're going to touch the moon soon enough so uh it's going to be a pleasure i want to get into the soccer conversation but i do have to ask as a longtime canada fan how cool was it to have people shouting you out like craig forrest unless this last week i mean it was pretty surreal i mean a guy like craig forrest uh i don't really I didn't really get to watch him play much growing up. I think he just retired kind of when I was a bit too young uh, to, to really say I've watched him. Obviously, I've seen back the highlights. He was obviously your goalie when, when Canada won the, the Gold Cup for the, the first and only time. So that was obviously pretty cool. But I grew up watching him on Sportsnet back in the day, watching him on the Premier League coverage. So it is pretty cool to, to see guys like Craig Forrest, uh, I mean, he's a pretty down-earth guy. You see him on Twitter there, always just interacting with people. Uh, he's, he seems like an awesome 
uh, guy in it. It's, it's, it was, yeah, quite, quite the moment. Cause it's one of those, those guys that you, you grow up seeing on TV and then he's just seems like such a, such a humble guy, which is pretty cool. Sure. Um, let's get into the soccer conversation. Canada has a huge window here. El Salvador, Honduras, USA come away with nine points. How impressive was this run for them? It was massive. And I mean, I don't think anyone saw it coming. That's the biggest thing. I think heading into this window, you kind of, you know, pre, you know, at the end of the November window, you won two games, you're kind of riding a momentum. You go into January, you look two tough away games, one hope tough home game. You kind of thought, okay, maybe best case scenario, you get six points. You're on it. You're in great position heading into the last window. You know, then you find out Alfonso Davies is going to be out for the window. Then your expectations lower just a tad. You're losing, you know, Canada's losing their best player. How are they going to cope? Okay, maybe a five-point window, maybe even a four-point window is more realistic in the eyes of some. And then it just the, the, the news kept on piling up. You lose a guy like Stephanie Stacchio for at least the, the first game or two. Uh, you're starting to look at the roster. You're wondering, okay, there's a tough trip to Honduras. You have to play a full-strength U.S. team at home, and then you have to go to, you know, a plucky El Salvador. It just felt like anything above five or six points would have been seen as, as a bonus in this. And then they just go out and they get the job done three times in a row, two-nothing wins. Not just that. It wasn't, you know, the case of them sitting back and just getting lucky in all three games because, you know, it's, it's soccer. Sometimes that can happen. No, Canada went out and... In each game, they they had a clear, concise game plan. They executed it well. They kind of understood what the other teams would throw at them, the kind of the, the strengths and weaknesses. They obviously studied uh, the the tape on Honduras, the U.S. El Salvador. Obviously, in a, a round like this, you've played each of those teams once. So you have an idea of what they're going to throw at you. But they they took the game film from all of their last games, studied it, analyzed it, and put together three concise game plans and it allowed them to get nine points and it was beyond the expectations of anyone that they'd be able to do that I mean it's massive now they're pretty much all but mathematically in the world cup basically the magic number is two combination of, of points dropped or points gained by by Canada or dropped by Panama uh, so it's basically the, a win and they're in in their last three games which all but guarantees it at this point it's beyond what anyone would have thought uh, months ago it's beyond what anyone would have thought days ago it feels kind of surreal to think back that they, they did that but it just kind of shows how good this team is that they did it without uh, their best player for for all three and and, and you know being shorthanded going through suspensions and, and injuries this Canadian team continues to impress with their depth and, and you know obviously led by head coach John Herbin how he's managing the roster it feels like everyone's clicking right now and it's made a big difference how much do we attest this, I guess, to, to character? I mean, you, you saw what the women's national team did and how they came together and they found a way to win. How much of that has sort of translated into the men's side and then the compete levels there, the characters there, they're finding ways to win even when they don't look like the best team on the pitch. Like how, and without, like you said, without Alfonso Davies for this whole window, like how, like how much do we focus on the character of this Canadian national team? I think it plays a huge role for sure. I mean, you look at the talent on the team, it's, you know, you can't doubt it. You, you, you look, it's probably the most talented Canadian men's national team roster we've ever seen. Even those who are on the 1986 team have admitted it. This is, you know, far more talented of a team than they ever had uh, back when they obviously the only time Canada made the World Cup. But, you know, talent can only take you so far. 
especially in international soccer, some, you know, it's, it's such a, it's not like club soccer where you're playing together week in, week out, 34 plus games. You kind of have time to gel international soccer. It's, you look at this, this final round, it's been a sprint, even before the final round, you, you, you slip up once it's over. Well, Canada, they've kind of had to go into some tough environments, play some tough games. And, and that's where their characters shine through. It's one thing to, to beat up teams that are, you know, that you're better are you're better than, sorry. It, it, you know, it's one thing to win games you should win, or even at home where you've, you're controlling the elements, you're comfortable. I think the, the sign of Canada's character was their two away wins on this window, their first two away wins of this round. That takes character. Going into Honduras, uh, you know, Canada has a bad history there. They'd last one there over 30 years ago. You've got games like the famous 8-1 where, you know, Canada obviously suffered, you know, very humiliating defeat there back in 2012. So to go down there, short your best player and, and just play the game, you know, you deal with the heat, the crowd, the travel, you know, you the fact that you might not have slept well the night before fans are outside your hotel. You deal with all of those factors and go and win, and then you go do the same in El Salvador, which was even tougher than Honduras was. Uh, very hostile atmosphere there. You're getting things thrown at you if you get too close to the sideline. You know, that takes character, and that's the sort of thing that, that we've seen from this Canadian roster. For all the talent that they have, it really it, it seems cliche when they say it, we're a brotherhood, we're a brotherhood. It's often something that's spouted, uh, you know, without base but for this team means that you can tell that on the field, they're running for each other. They, every time they score, everyone celebrates like, it, you know, it's their own goal because for them, it's a, when Canada scores, it's a team thing. Uh, it's not a, you know, an individual celebration. I think all of those factors have, have really allowed them to, to, to grab these sorts of results that they might not have been able to just because they stick together, they're resilient, and then they, they go out and get the job done. Yeah, it's kind of crazy going down to El Salvador and seeing a riot squad in each corner. It's kind of interesting in that situation. Um, what, like, what's been the best part of actually covering this Canada like historic run, really? Because it's never been seen before. It's a great question. I think for me, I think it's just been seeing the rise over a short time because uh, I've been able to cover the team since 2019 i covered my first game it was canada versus french guyana at bc place in vancouver nations league qualifier uh <laughs> bit of a, a far cry from the games we're seeing today i mean <laughs> it, it was a member jonathan david scored in that game so obviously he was just kind of kicking off his you know compared to where he is at now i think about 14 or 15 goals since i, I see i've seen him play in that game still a lot of big guns in that team, but obviously they were still gelling. They were still grinding their way through, through that. And Vancouver that, that night, uh, Vancouver had 18,000 fans. So obviously it was a pretty good crowd for a game of that magnitude. But then I remember going later that year, I got to cover Canada versus Cuba in Toronto. And it was like 10,000. It was kind of, you know, it was a fun game. Canada won six, nothing. People who went had a good time, but no one really knew about it. It was just kind of like, I think even of a month later, they played the U.S. They won two nothing. Kind of the, the the game that everyone calls the turning point. The game where Canada start to realize, okay, we're not just an afterthought who who beats up on minnows. But every time you play a big team, you lose one nothing. You say, oh, we did so great, but we didn't ultimately win that game. They won. There's only like fifteen thousand fans in the stand. It was again a great atmosphere, a great time people weren't really connected in this national team. And what I've noticed over the last year is how the interest has just skyrocketed. People want to watch the games. You see that in the TV numbers, people are showing up to the games. 
uh, having been to the, the, that game in, against Panama and Toronto, where it was 27,000, 30,000 people. It was loud. I was, I was shocked at how loud it was just standing. Uh, I remember stepping outside for the national anthems and you can almost hear, you know, you feel your eardrums reverberate. And it's like, that's a feeling you haven't seen watching Canada uh, ever. It was, you know, that's feelings that you get watching other teams play. And then you, you go, I go to Edmonton and it's 50,000 people it's loud. And this game was just no ex- exception of the latest home game in Hamilton. It was 16 or it was 12,000 officially. So I looked more like 16,000. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, there must've slipped some extra people, but it sounded loud. And for me, that's, it's the interest of people going to games, but also you see it online, people on, on Twitter, on Instagram, they're all watching the games. You have casual fans talking, you know, talking about the games. I'll have my mom text me after the, the U.S. <laughs> game saying, oh, I saw that Canada won. It's just that that sort of interest before it kind of felt like it was just an echo chamber. You'd be with your friends like, oh, did you see the Canada versus Montserrat game yesterday or something like that? And, you know, everyone in your, your close circle would know, but not now everyone knows that it's popular. And for me, that's been the biggest thing to, to see how Canada's jumped on the mainstream like this. And that's been the, the most fun part to see. Couple more questions before we let you go here, Alex. I want to talk about a couple of your articles that you written recently for uh, Destroy and Progress. Um, you mentioned Atiba Hutchinson and how important he's been to the team, and you also talk about Milan Borian, and that's the one I want to get into. All the little things that Borian does has made him this like superstar in Canadian soccer that no one kind of expected. What has been the biggest thing for him, and how has he become this idol? for the Canadian team? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a great question. I think he's obviously always been a great goalkeeper. I think he's, it's, he's entering, I think it's his 10th year with the, or 10th or 11th year with Canada. So he's obviously been around. He's, he's seen some of the highs. He's seen some of the lows. Uh, he's always been a solid goalkeeper, but what you're really starting to see on this run is his leadership. You can see how he's really stepped up as, as a leader on the field. Um, Obviously, his shot stopping has always been there. I think, you know, in that piece, I go a lot more to the technical parts of his shot stopping. He's, he's always been a really good shot stopper. Maybe not, you know, his handling could sometimes can ask the question of it. But in terms of his footwork, his, his, his shot stopping, he's always been a lead. He's, he plays in, for Red Star Belgrade over in Europe. He's played against guys like uh, Liverpool and Mo Salah. He's played against Neymar and, and PSG. He's played against some of the biggest stars. So it's not as if, you know, he's... He's, he's playing at some obscure level and people don't know about him. People in Europe have heard of him uh, before, but for Canada, he'd always come up big, but he hadn't had this big stage to shine on. But now I think we're really seeing that big game mentality has that he's, he's forged playing in, in, in some very hostile environments in Europe with, you know, Red Star Belgrade. They have, if you ever get a chance to watch one of their home games in a, in a non-COVID, uh, you know, reality, it is always so loud. They, they pack the place and you've got flares coming out, out of nowhere. And you see that sort of big game mentality from Borean in these hostile environments. He's fearless. He, he's been there before. And where that comes through is in his leadership. When Canada, they're, they're a young team. Sometimes this is the first time they're facing things like this. They get jumpy. They get nervous. It's a big game. You want to go out. You want to impress. You want to, you know, get the crowd going right away. Sometimes it isn't like that. You face some adversity, and that's where Borean's really been a key piece. When, when Canada feels, you know, it feels like they're getting a bit jumpy, he'll take the ball, he'll calm everything down, he'll get them together, he'll take a water break, or, you know, someone's down injured, he'll get up and, and tell someone, okay, let's calm it down, let's play, let's play our game. 
And, you know, if the game at the end, it's, it's one, nothing and Canada's starting to get a little bit too stressed with the ball and they're, they're protecting a lead. He'll be the guy to, you know, kick the ball out of player, you know, do a little thing like he'll fake an injury or something, you know, just, you know, or he'll, he'll, he'll hurt his calf or something like that. And he'll milk it and be like, okay, guys, let's take this time to breathe. It's really, you know, yes, there's going to be some added time. I've got this injury, but let's take our, take our time. And it's those little things that he does that, that really has helped the, the, the team in these big moments where before they might've gotten too excited by the occasion or they might've folded and in, in face of pressure. Morian's kind of always that guy steadying the ship. Like, okay, guys, let's, let's find our, our game and let's play how we, how we can play and let's not get overwhelmed because we're a good team and we can, let's play like it. Great. Yeah. Um, so you said the magic numbers too, you know, fingers crossed we get there. So if we get to the World Cup, can Canada compete with the bigger European nations or the bigger South American nations based on what you've seen uh, since you've been following them since 2019? I think that's a great question. I think it's going to definitely be tough against the big teams. I think they're definitely going to learn some lessons, but I think there's no reason why they can't compete. You Obviously, uh, you know, in international soccer, you can only do, you know, you're only able to go as far as your, your players can take you. The good thing is with Canada, they've got some pretty good players. You got a guy like Alfonso Davies. He's amongst the top at his position globally. You know, he's one of the best players in Europe. You got a guy like Jonathan David. He's been, you know, a top five forward in the world this year. You got two players like that. I think what we've, you know, with that, you're always going to be able to compete. But what we've seen over this run is how good Canada's depth is, how the guys like your Stefanou Stachios, your Tejon Buchanan's, uh, you know, your underrated performers like your Alistair Johnston's, who, you know, your Sam Adekubis who have come out up out of uh, nowhere in the, in the eyes of many Canadians, uh, you know, a year or two ago, they might not have been key contributors as you are. You've got a guy like Milan Boyan holding down the fort and goal. Canada's got a lot of depth now. And I think because of that, they'll be able to at least compete. I mean, it's, yes, it's going to go, you go and play a France, for example, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine anything other than a, you know, a one or two nil, a three nil. France is a fantastic team. They're one of the best in the world. But the thing is before Canada would have gone into a game like that, held on for dear life and anything less than a three nil would have been seen as a bonus. I think Canada can go out now and have the sense where they can play. And that doesn't mean they're going to go out and, and win three nothing or, or win one nothing. They still might lose three nothing, but there's, there, I don't think Canada will have an inferiority complex when they go, you know, when and or if and knock on wood when they, they go to the World Cup. You know, it can't, can't ever be too early to, to, to call it, even though it's pretty much all a mathematical certainty. But I think they won't have an inferiority complex if they play, and that's huge. I think that's the biggest thing we've noticed on this run. I think you look at their two biggest opponents they've played, Mexico and the U.S., too. You know, you can talk about the, the uselessness or, you know, how vague the FIFA rankings are. The U.S. and Mexico have flirted with being a top-10 team in the world over the last few years. To go and beat them convincingly each at home and one of the games you're missing your best player gives you an idea of Canada's, you know, gone, how their inferiority complex is gone before it's yeah, you hold on tight. You pray for a zero zero. If you get a one, nothing, it's lucky if you, you're celebrated. No, this Canadian team won on merit. So I think heading in the world cup, that's the biggest thing for me, where even if they get a tough group of three teams, they're going to play, they're going to try to play their game. And even if they go out and lose each of those, those games, they will have done so without fear. And, and that, I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing that allows them to, to maybe go on a run. Because when you play without fear, if everything aligns for you, get hot, then you can maybe go on a run to the round of 16 to the quarterfinals. And then you realize, okay, that was, that was fun. And let's do it again in 2026, of course.
Well, I think that's the biggest thing. I think everybody in Canada is wondering how far can this run go is really what it is. So, um, like, we 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 know Davies. We know Jonathan David and all that kind of stuff. Who's the next real, like, budding star for this Canadian men's team? I think, you know, there's a few candidates. I think one, obviously, is Tay John Buchanan. I think he's shown to, to, to kind of be that next guy up. Because you, you kind of look at you know, the, the term that's kind of been thrown around is like, you can't, you're looking at Canada's big five right now. It's Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David. It's Tay John Buchanan. It's Kyle Lahren and Stephanie Stackey. I mean, you got to shut out Kyle Lahren. He's been scoring for fun. It's, he's up to 14 goals in this World Cup qualifying run, like five in the final, the final round or six. Or no, I guess it's five now. He's, he's been fantastic. But also Kyle Lahren has been around for, for, almost, for more than a half day, decade. He's, he's, you know, 26 now. He's not exactly next up. This is more his time coming to, to pass. Stefan Ustakio, he's obviously newer to the program, only been here for, for a year and a bit since he really has is, is, is been fully integrated in the program. He's still, you know, he's 25. He's, he's getting his moment in his prime. Tejan Buchanan, he's just 22. He's, he only made his debut, not just for Canada. He made his debut for Canada back in June of last year. So it hasn't even been a full calendar year, but he made his debut for Canada at any level. Uh, in March of last year at the Olympic qualifiers, a lot of these guys, they played for Canada, the U20, the U18 level, like Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David have been playing together since they were U15s. They, they've been on a, you know, a come up together, a rise uh, dating back to the youth programs. Hey, John Buchanan came out of nowhere. He was playing in college. He obviously wasn't on the radar. He goes to New England. He, he lights everything on fire. Now he's playing for a massive club in, in, in Belgium and Club Bruges. His rise has been so meteoric where it's been wild to see what he's done in six months. He's already had his fair share of iconic moments for a guy, you know, only so, so, you know, how, for how, sorry, how deep he is into his national career, which is not at all. He's already got that, that goal against Mexico at the gold cup. He's scored some clutch goals for, for Canada in this final round. He seems to be a big game player, a guy who steps up in the big moment. So he's definitely a guy I'm, I'm watching going forward just because he doesn't have you know, he's, he's burst onto the scene and it just feels like he's meant for these big games. He's not, you know, been, you know, scared by it. I look at a guy like Sam Adekugbe as an example, because he's been fantastic on this run. Sam Adekugbe has been on the national team for over five years. This rise has been coming. It's taken a while. Tejan Buchanan has just blown the door off and, and stepped right in. And because of that, it feels like he has so much potential just because he's so early into it. Imagine what he can do when he, he adjusts, when he gets used to, and he's, he's been playing for a few years now. So, so because of that, he really feels like the, the next guy up, at least of guys on this team. And then as some will know, there are a lot of young guys coming up through the system that could play for Canada that might play for Canada uh, that are going to play for Canada. But in terms of guys on the team, Tejan Buchanan is certainly on a, on a great path. Yeah, he's got to learn to stop taking guys down in the box. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, between him and Richie, I'm always worried. One of them is going to get a card every game. Oh, it's so a ticking time bomb at times. That's the one thing. Oh, I, okay. I played against Richie and Kyle growing up, Kyle Aaron, and Richie has always been that way. Just, ready to fight all the time like we'll fight for his teammates though like in a good way but sometimes you just need to calm down in in a match um alex thank you so much we really appreciate you jumping on the show uh we will definitely have you back during the next uh window hopefully and uh once canada well if slash when canada clinches that world cup spot we'll have you on to celebrate and uh preview the world cup man thank you again Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. 
if you're looking to follow Alex, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Alex Gangne Rusik. Um, you can follow him at Between the Sticks, and he is also the host of the Third Sub Podcast. So check that out when you get a chance. That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk a little NHL. We got a lot to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Hey, everyone. This is Irfan Manji touchline thoughts powered by the garage door sports network we are an all soccer podcast hosted by yours truly and Paige culver we provide news analysis and opinions each episode as well you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher and follow us on twitter or instagram cheers hey guys it's producer jake here from benning house the garage door sports network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. We're back. Nick, Kyle, Irfan, back together again. That was an awesome segment with Alex there. Lots of good information. We got a lot to cover, boys, so I'm just going to jump right in. We don't have time to reminisce. Kyle. Well, actually, and Irfan. Tom Brady has officially retired. There was a bit Mm -hmm. of back and forth. It was interesting there for a while. Schefter and Darlington reported it. And then everybody and their mother decided that that was wrong. <laughs> they had to correct that. Um, but a couple of days later, he officially announced his retirement. Uh, by the way, New England fans lost their minds. And it was hilarious on, on social media watching them freak out over this. Because apparently he didn't thank them enough in his... Good, I don't know. I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Uh, what about... You guys are... Patriots fans, what did you think of that? Kyle, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, he didn't mention them at all. That's the biggest thing. He didn't mention anything about New England in his retirement speech. That or oh, the his... Twitter <laughs> one, the Instagram one he did. No, he didn't mention like them at all with anything. Yeah, he did on the Instagram one originally. It was just like a line, though. Yeah, so it was, it was one of those like... He he only ended up responding once the Patriots put something out. I mean, like, oh, thankful for all Patriots fans. It's like, to be honest, I... Don't really give a crap. I really don't. Okay, that's all I wanted to yeah. hear. That's all I cared about. For fun, yeah. same thing. I didn't care. I mean, he left on a high. I mean, in my opinion, he left on a high. He's whatever with Bill, but you know, I don't think he owes anybody anything. He also yeah. did his goodbye to the Patriots two years. He ago. did. He did. Like when he left, he gave a great going away thing. Like, what yeah. more do you need? Do you want him to hold everyone's hand and be like, Mr. Kraft, Mr. Bill Belichick, bye. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think people overreacted. They're like, oh, my heart is broken. It's worse than someone, someone doing this. And it's like, guys, it, it's one guy. We knew he was going to retire eventually. He's 44. True. <laughs> it was extra. Yeah. It was extra. Like, I just, 
it just seemed very very childish to me and i was laughing when i was as i was watching it because i'm just like really like the guy brought you six super bowls six what what do you want from him you want him to come there's there's some stupid patriots fans out there I will admit, you two are better Patriots fans. You're not too bad about it. But, like, I just, like, did they want him to go to everyone's door and shake their hand and say thanks for the years? Like, I, I think, I think he wanted to, like, I, want, I think he, they wanted him to touch on the Bucks because obviously he was there for two seasons. Right. <clears throat> right. But, and then, and then move on and be like, I'm so thankful for everything that happened beforehand. And, like, as, as you said, he won six Super Bowls with the franchise. You can't just forget that franchise. So it's like, I think they wanted them to focus more on the first years of the, his career rather than the last two. Right. Fair enough. So. But again, I think it's because he did his goodbye to New England two years ago when he left that his yep. mind was like, okay, well, I'm just going to thank the Bucks because this is where I was playing and this is technically where I'm retiring from. So. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, did you guys see the image? Um, I can't remember who put it out. Um, of like the end of an era, the quarterbacks. Oh, all five. Well, because it was like you got Brady, both Mannings, you got Big Ben, you got Breeze, and you got Rivers. Oh, all six. have retired. Yeah. Right. So all have retired, and like that, those those were literally the quarterbacks we grew up on. Basically, yeah. we're, that's what we knew. And all of a sudden, now all six are gone. It's like holy crap! Like. You, you don't really think about it until you like you realize, oh my god! Like literally, all six of them are gone. Did you see the other version of that where it had those guys at the top, kind of in like a faded picture, and then below it had the next six, like the people who? Got no, I, I didn't spots. see that part, but I thought I, was, I'm sure. Like, yeah. It was really well done, except for the fact that they put Deshaun Watson under Big Ben. I'm just like, oh, yeah, or <laughs> yeah, that was bad. But it was like the other five were like comparable people. And I was like, like, oh, we're I know we're at the end of that golden generation of quarterbacks because that was an incredible generation. There's no doubting that we could be in for another one with Patty Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Like we're talking about some very, very good potential quarterbacks. And that's not even including what. Trevor Lawrence might be because we don't really know after year one. Um, it doesn't show any of the other guys. Like even Lamar wasn't included in that, right? And I know he's a running back to you, Kyle, but he does have some ability. Kyler Murray, same thing, right? Another guy who wasn't included in that, but he's got some ability too. Like there's some great quarterbacks that are very, very young. So we could be in for another great generation of quarterback. Um, let's get back to the Brady conversation because. That was a good sidetrack, but let's let's focus here. Um, you guys are obviously Patriots fans, so this is going to hit a little bit more for you. But I, I want to know what your favorite memories of his career were, or favorite memory period. Um, I know, like for me personally, it was that first Super Bowl. That's a long time ago, but just seeing the reaction, right? as a as a Michigan person for me just seeing the reaction to him winning and shaking his head and all that like that was incredible you didn't mm -hmm. know what this guy was going to be and now no. looking back it's like holy moly like this guy is probably the greatest of all time 
right? I know there's some debate and that's not what we're here to have right now. We can have that debate later in the summer when we don't have as much to talk about, but he's incredible. And it all started with that playoff run. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, Irfan, let's start with you. What was your favorite Brady memory, man? All six championships. No, uh, you're gonna, you guys are gonna laugh at me, but my, my biggest Brady memory, thanks, uh, was not when they won, but when. Do you guys remember the 2012 Super Bowl, where they tried to hail, hail Mary and the Giants picked it off? Yep. Like that's my memory. And it's probably the dumbest memory, but like that's the only thing that right now I could think of and that sticks was like, why did we do this? We did this. Hmm. And then the following couple of years, like he came back and he won what two or three more rings. So yeah. um, like to me, that was talking about his character when he loses or when the Patriots lost. It was how do we how do we come back? How do we bounce back? And obviously the Giants, you know, was dumb, but you know, I, I remember him as a resilient character that wanted to to show everybody up after a rough year or, you know, we went 16 and 0 and then lost in the Super Bowl again. And you're like, what what are they going to do next? And they come back firing the season after and the season after. So um, I think, you know, it's a sad memory that we lost. But to me, it shows who he really was as a as an athlete, as a character and as a leader of the New England Patriots for the 20 years and then the last two years with the Bucks. Fair enough. Uh, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, 100%, like, the the thing that haunts me, it's not so much Brady, it still haunts me today, is David Tyree and Mario Manningham um, have a permanent place in my mind. So, But it's um, funny, like, I, I was thinking about using that as my favorite, like, my memory of it, just because I know how much he had to put, to put those in his mind to come back and beat and win the next couple championships. But yeah. I don't remember those because of Brady, because I thought Brady played pretty good in those games. Like, it's not that, that those don't stick in my mind for him. Those stick in my mind because of the Giants, not because of him. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, like those, those guys have a place in my mind and not necessarily with Brady, but more, I think it's more, how much would we be talking about Brady being like the greatest of all time, even more, if those catches don't happen? If those catches don't happen, the Giants don't win either one of those Super Bowls. Right, so it's it's one of those like the Patriots win both those two roles, and all of a sudden we're talking about Brady with eight championships leaving the Pats rather than six and leaving. Right, he could potentially have he he would have had nine potential Super Bowl wins, it's and I don't true. think there would be, I don't think there would be a debate on anybody being even anywhere close. No, I don't. So, to be honest, I don't think there's a debate anymore anyway. But that's. Yeah, no, but but there's obviously you you can you can bring up different conversations. You can bring up Drew Brees and his passing completions and his yards and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's not comparable. But I'm just saying like the potential was there. I think the two biggest memories to me were one that oh oh uh, seven season with Randy Moss, yeah, and everything that went on with that, and how unbelievable that team was. Um, and then the biggest thing I think is the twenty eight three. I think that's that truly showed everything you need to know about Brady there. You know, didn't had an okay first half, didn't do great through a pick six, all that kind of stuff. Um, but still did not give up on the sidelines. And if you watch like the, the, like the, the 30 for 30 and all that kind of stuff, like the recap of how that game was, you see him on the sidelines talking to everybody saying, Hey, we're not out of this yet. We still got time. We still got to go keep going. 
and just keep building up that momentum for that team. It was just, it was insane. So, I mean, I think that truly cemented his legacy of what he brought to the Patriots and, and what he was as a quarterback. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because we have a comment in the, uh, in the Twitch stream uh, from Lynn May saying, all you need to say is 28, three. That was the number one. You never say he's out of a game game. Like he's always involved, no matter what the score is, he's always there. And I mean, we saw it this year, they were down 27 to three. They came back and, almost had a chance to win that game against the Rams. And unfortunately they couldn't pull it off the Bucks. but like he's never out of a game, no matter what the score is until that final whistle. And there's very few quarterbacks that you can consistently say that for, right? Like right now you might be able to say that for Patty Mahomes because, because of the weapons he has around him. But even that's not a guarantee. Uh, maybe as we've seen the last couple of weeks, Joe Burrow, but it's still too early to say that. Um, yeah. Like no one consistently played the, he's never out of a game card as well as Tom Brady has in our lifetime, at least. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not going to be, able well, to I mean, those, those Brady versus Manning's back and forth, back and forth. Those were just unreal matchups that, I really hope we get to see again and we might be getting to see it with the, the, but it might be a three headed monster this time in Josh Allen, Mahomes and Burrow in the AFC. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm not including Herbert because I don't know if the chargers are ever going to truly take that next step. They're you close. Hope they do. They're close. They're close, but they're also a team that like didn't even make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So, I mean, they have to make the playoffs in order to even have a chance to make those games. So, yeah. I mean, like Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals show they're a legitimate playoff team and they're going to be there consistently over the years. The Bills have shown they're going to be a playoff team and should be consistently there. The Chiefs, obviously, we know what they do. They've been to, what, six straight AFC championship games or something like that? I mean, or I don't, I don't know what it was. Something like that. But it's like one of those, what else is there? And, and I'm really looking forward to these matchups. And like, I'm not going to compare quarterbacks to quarterbacks i'm not going to say oh joe burrow's the next great tom brady i'm not doing that because that's unrealistic expectations yeah but as long as we have competitive games and we have back and forth matchups and it's head-to-head matchups that we want to see i'm looking forward to the future 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's the thing like we could be very lucky and that the transition from that generation to this generation might be very smooth. It hasn't always mm-hmm. been that way. Very few teams, very few generations are going to be able to see that. And I think we might be very lucky because looking based off of what we're seeing, we're heading in the right direction for another good generation. Um, yep. Just want to point out, Lynn May added another comment saying his only consistent weapon was Gronk. He made do with it with a patchwork of receivers every year. Next man up and only Brady as a leader every single time. It's a valid point. He has had some great receivers for snippets. Like obviously Randy Moss, great receiver. If anyone wants to argue me on that, I will, you know, clock him one. Argue, yeah. I will clock you one. That's not even an argument. How is that an argument? You can't even argue that. Like, <laughs> I, I would I would argue that Wes Welker and Julian Edelman were more important to him than Randy Moss was. 
Agreed. More important to Brady than Randy Moss? Absolutely. But more talented than Randy Moss? Absolutely not. No. No. Um, Mike Evans is a talented receiver. Antonio Brown is a talented receiver. But they're pieces, right? They're not... They, they weren't there consistently enough yet. Well, I mean, not... They just weren't consistent enough on Brady's team. Like, Evans has been hurt for the two years that he's been playing with Brady, right? In and out of the lineup. Antonio Brown... We saw yep. what happened with him. <laughs> yeah. Right, Irfan? To, like, to be honest, it's one of those, if if Brady had, you know, a Mike Evans in his prime, what would it have done? I exactly. think that's that's yeah. the biggest thing. Exactly. Um, you know, he had pieces. Dion Branch, when he was younger, was literally a Super Bowl MVP. Um, he, he had He had pieces that that he complimented well and played well with, but never had the true superstar name. But in saying that, even if he had the superstar name, we, we saw what we did with Randy Moss, but I don't think, I don't think he was, it was built around that type of thing. No. Right? Like he, he succeeded with being able to check down and do great over the middle between Gronk, Edelman, Welker, you name it. Right. Like those guys were, were ones that made Brady's life a lot easier too. Right, Gronk up the seam, taking on double coverage. Done. You have Edelman going underneath. You have Wes Welker going underneath. All of a sudden, a five-yard dump down turns into a twenty-five-yard play, and they're all of a sudden they're doing chunk yards down the field. So, and then I mean, if you get lucky, yeah. you got that deep threat who, after doing eight or ten dump downs, all of a sudden gets open because the defense forgets what they're doing, and Brady throws a twenty-yard pass that turns into a forty-five-yard touchdown. Right, hundred percent. That's that's as simple as it is. You don't need that consistent down down the field threat but when you have it in a guy like randy moss we saw what he was able to do yeah really all it is Irfan, did you want to add anything quickly sure i was just thinking back to the new england greats if we can call it so you know poppy retired brady retired i think zidane chair is the only one left in that little branch of <laughs> vets out Kevin there garnett, so you forgot garnett he retired yeah he did sorry 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 um, First off, he was a Minnesota great, not a Boston. Yeah, I, I know. That's but why I, to, I wasn't thinking. But you have to think about the Boston championship greats over the last like 15 years and tell okay. me who you think oh. of when you think of the Celtics, right? Like it has to be Garnett. Garnett and Pierce. Yeah. yeah. I got Ray it. So that is... But he also played for the Miami Heat and got a championship, right? That's why I just say Garnett because of the anything's possible sort of thing. Oh, Pierce. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, so Z's left. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on that one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, one hundred percent. This is his last season. I don't think it's. A it has to be. <laughs> like, there's no way he plays anymore. Like, <clears throat> he's he's still he still does it, but he's now playing twelve minutes a night, not twenty one minutes a night. So, um, he he's going to go down as one of the best defensemen. One hundred percent. He's going to go down as the biggest defenseman. One hundred percent. But. It's one of those like it's my guy. Go Still. play in Europe. Go just go, just go play retire. in Europe. You can play. He can retire. He doesn't even need to keep playing. He could retire and be happy. He, <laughs> he seems like the type of guy that would still go play. He just seems like a yogger type of guy who's going to play till he's dead. I know, but he doesn't have to. <laughs> no, but he can go. He can go play in Europe and play thirty-five minutes a night and be fine. Fair, fair enough. All right, let's uh, move on, and we got to quickly recap championship weekend because, boys, it really did not disappoint. Like it was, there were some entertaining games there. I'm not going to say it was as entertaining as divisional week, 
where we had that Bills Chiefs and stuff like that. But it was entertaining football. And <laughs> the big story, obviously, is that the Bengals take down the Chiefs and are in the Super Bowl next weekend. Irfan, what a what a game that one was. And Joe Burrow being Joe Burrow, ice in his veins. Talk about Ryan McPherson ice in his veins. That guy is clutch. Who expected him to be as big of a player for this Bengals team? But man, just so much fun to watch Cincinnati play. Well, I mean, we talk about the next crop of big quarterbacks we just did like 10 seconds ago. Um, that's exhibit number A. Like this whole playoff run for Joe Burrow has just been like, you know, I was like, ah, maybe they won't win. Maybe they won't win. And and you don't really have a lot of faith in them. And every game they've shown up, even when they're down. Like, I mean, I think I'm more surprised that the Chiefs blew a lead than the Bengals winning the game because I was like, I listened to you guys last week. I mean, you know, I think the Bengals have every weapon in the game to win. But I don't think I would have been surprised if they won. But the way they won, I think I'm I'm putting a lot more blame on the Chiefs for blowing a lead. Um, but not to take away from, you know, ice in his veins, Joe Burrow. Um, but, I mean, that's just my, my opinion on that game. Kyle? I mean, I called it. <laughs> I think we both I mean, agreed. Let's be fair. I say, hey, if you followed me last week, you would have made a lot of money, just saying. Plus points, money line, done. No problem. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as calm enough to take the money line. I will say that. <laughs> Well, then you I clearly took, didn't think I took they were my points. I took the points and I said there's a good chance that they could win, but I wasn't confident taking the money. And you took your little coin purse and went home and I took the bag. Um, Valid. <laughs> either way, that, I mean, that was an outstanding game. Chiefs 100% did fumble the bag. I, there's not a question about that. Um, when, I saw, when I saw the stats that in the last two games against the Bengals, the Chiefs had five drives and two turnovers and zero points was just unreal. I just didn't believe it. Um, I mean, you think about it, they kept them to three points in the second half. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I think it comes back to the Chiefs being too overconfident at the end of that first half. I was just going to say. Getting, getting that turnover at the end of the first half rather than putting points on the board was night and day. It was, it was literally the, chief, the Bengals were like, all right, you guys want to screw around? No problem. Let's go figure it out. So, and, and to me, that's where it really changed. And, and we saw, I mean, the quarterbacks really didn't stand on their head. No. But they were, they were consistent. Burrow threw for 250 yards. In today's game, that's not anything special. No. 250 yards passing is nothing special. But it was the consistency and, you know, Evan Shooter McPherson coming out of <laughs> you know the draft and it's just he was he's been unreal. I mean both both quarterbacks had a pick. Like, Patty Mahomes only threw for two seventy five. Like it's not as if it was anything special there. But I mean there's there's different aspects of the game that was just playoff football and what you truly want to see. Yeah. So I mean that, that was just one of those great games. You know. We, we were talking about last week that could they top that Bills Chiefs game? No, they didn't top it, but they pretty much gave us a great game in, you know, compared to what we could have been in a huge letdown game. So um, definitely well deserving of the Bengals to actually go on and, and go to the Super Bowl. For sure. And they will be facing 
the Los Angeles Rams, who took care of business at home, and now they're heading straight back home because they're playing in SoFi Stadium as the away team, right? Technically, they're the away. Team. I mean, what? I mean, they'd be the away team either way. There's like fourteen hundred LA Rams fans, so. Um... Yeah, but it's a lot farther of a trip from Cincinnati than San Francisco. They had two weeks. They have two weeks to drive there. You're fine. Yeah, but think about how many of the tickets were already probably bought by just general fans. Like, that's the one thing oh, about the sure. Super Bowl. Like, it's just kind of a general fan thing. Um, but, yeah, they, they took care of business. They did their thing. And now we're going to see them. Matt Stafford. Guys, guys, Matt Stafford is playing for a Super Bowl. Who would have thought that two years ago? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, Maybe it's Connor one of those, would have. No, Connor yeah. wouldn't have even thought of that. <laughs> um, He's a no, it's, it's honestly, yeah. Stafford's been great. The Rams have been great. Um, to be honest, I don't know if the Rams won that game or San Fran lost that game. Um, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. You know, San Fran pretty much could have iced the game with that Jaquiski tart interception all of a sudden he drops it with nobody even near him um and then the rams go down and score and all of a sudden it's you know they're up three points rather than potentially down six to ten points if the if the niners go down and score anything there so um i think all the pressure after that drop the rams were like yeah you know we got lucky let's go down and score some points and then all the pressure was on the Niners, and the Niners kind of cracked under that pressure. So, um, I mean, very, very interesting game. Very back-and-forth game, too. Um, you know, Niners looked well in a possession in the, th- in the third quarter, up by 10 points going into the fourth, and the Rams came back. They played well, and and they, they were definitely the deserving team to move on. Um, this was one of those, like, low-scoring NFL football games that is still interesting to watch, though. It's still... You don't know what's going to happen on any given play, basically. Um, so it's it's one of those uh, a very different play style compared to the Chiefs-Bengals game, but very entertaining to watch in the same aspect. So um, we'll, we'll see this, you know, Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl. We'll see what happens. I think it should be a very good game, but, I mean, we've been let down by a Rams Super Bowl before, so who knows? <laughs> A lot of oh, shots you, being fired. Eh? You guys were let down. Uh, as as a fan, I was as let down fan. extremely. As a fan, <laughs> but as a Patriots fan, I could have fallen asleep, woken up in the fourth quarter, and still figured out what happened. Yeah, I'm I'm well aware of that. I watched the game. Yeah, am I am I complaining that we won a Super Bowl? No. Yeah. Was it the was it the bo- most boring Super Bowl ever that I've watched? Not even a question. Very different Rams team now. Stafford's under center. Um, Erfan, what did you think of that game quickly? Um, they get another chance at a Super Bowl at the end of the day. Um, that's probably the biggest storyline I'll take out of that game. Um, low scoring again, but yeah. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think that's the story. That's the big thing going into it. Struggle with the Lions, like you mentioned earlier, and um, Connor's seen that, so I'll mention him again. But uh, <laughs> just it's interesting, isn't this the second 
straight Super Bowl where the home team has made it to the finals, and that's yes. the first time that's happened ever. Like I, like I mean, you're the stats guy, and I'm I'm blown away by that stat, which is ridiculous. But um, yeah, super excited to see a Rams team see if uh, Sean McVay can win a Super Bowl now, and you know, make it a less boring Super Bowl final. Enough. If if so, if the Rams don't win it, are we? Do we look at McVeigh as one of those guys who can win the regular season but doesn't do anything else? Ah, Boost Boudreau of the NFL. Like, yeah. like is he gonna be? Is he gonna be that coach that can get them there but never gets them over the hump and truly gets them to win it? I I could see that because this guy is a brilliant mind. But no question. But sometimes you need more than just the the brilliant mind to get to the promised land and they're just not getting there if, if they can't i mean this bengals team also kind of feels like a team of destiny so it's hard to say that necessarily right now that if they lose to the bengals especially if it's a close game and it's just like ryan mcpherson kicking a field goal to win it all like that's it's that's evan. A, it's evan is it evan why did i think ryan yes i don't know <laughs> i apologize evan mcpherson um like if he kicks a field goal to win the super bowl isn't that just kind of feel like destiny? Well, and that's and it's one of those. I I am all in on the Bengals right now, and and obviously as a fellow AFC team, um, I mean, do, do I wish my team was there? Hundred percent, but I don't think we're on the same level right now, and I think the Bengals are just on. They're on a level that's just different. Like it it, it truly is just one of those teams where you're like, let's see how far they can go. Like, let, let's see what they can do. I mean, this Rams team, I think, is just, like, the complete opposite, where it's, all right, the Rams have been here before. Let's see if they can actually get it done. Um, when the Bengals are like, we haven't been here in a while. <laughs> let's 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 hope we win. Yay. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> we we so, have lots of I mean, hope for the future. <laughs> yeah. We have a future. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I, I'm I'm just really hoping for a great game. It's really what I'm yeah. hoping for. And we'll preview that game a little bit more next week. Obviously, like I don't want to get too much into it. Um, Lynn May in the comments is saying that uh, they've got Bengals over the Rams points total under 25. Um, we'll look at that a little bit closer next week. I kind of want to agree with that. But oh, the the the, bang, the Bengals team total is 20 and a half right now. I absolutely just murdered it. Like took no, it over, yeah, hundred okay. percent. Um, and they also say uh, underrated defense for the Bengals. So like, I I can kind of see that, and I'm, it's gonna be an interesting game. And I think the first, like everyone says, the first quarter is always so important. I think it's actually the beginning of the second quarter that we'll figure out what's going on in this game. Like the first quarter is gonna play out. They're gonna get their first drives. I hate using the first quarter as a barometer because everyone has their like game plan 10 drives those are supposed to go the way they're supposed to go it's after that when you have to kind of plan that's where it's and i think that's where we're going to see the difference between these two teams in this game whether sean mcveigh can scheme something up to stop burrow or not like that's where it is right now and if he can't I think I the, the, honestly the the biggest question mark, and we'll talk about this more next week. But it, it's Bengals offensive line versus Rams defensive line. That's that's yep. the biggest question. Yep. So, hundred percent. Um, 
quickly last NFL conversation, and then we'll we'll take another break here, um, and then quickly talk NHL Pro Bowl this weekend. Do either of you have any interest in the Pro Bowl anymore? I know when we were kids, we kind of did. Do you have any interest anymore, Irfan? Probably not. I forgot about it until you mentioned it at the top of the the show. I was like, all right, that's a still a thing. And then I also said the NHL skills competition happens to both. Oh, don't eh. don't jump ahead. I'm just saying, like that was our conversation this morning. I was just That's recapping true. and summarizing for our listeners. Uh, Kyle, no, no, it just uh, Mac Jones in the first season Pro Bowl. Just want to make that statement. Um, <clears throat> not a big deal. Um, not a big deal. But no, I I couldn't care less about the Pro Bowl. Majority of All Star games, and I'll say this later on, I don't care about anymore. I will admit, I was working. Thursday, and I watched part of this Pro Bowl like skills thing that they had. I didn't even know that was a thing. I knew it was because they've been doing it for a few years, and I just remember seeing the videos of the dodgeball because that was like the big thing. No, I knew. I'm sorry, I knew it was a thing. I didn't know it was going on though. I, I had no it. idea it was on Thursday. It just happened to be on one of the TVs, and I'm like, I'll I'll watch it because it's on, and there wasn't a whole lot on on Thursday anyway. But like. Mm-hmm. They didn't promote it. No one really knew what was going on. Sure, some of it was fun. Like the skills catching thing was actually pretty entertaining watching uh, Stefan Diggs jump through a table while trying to catch a football. Uh, Trayvon Diggs did a flip and caught a football and won. The DB won the catching competition. Well, I, just, well, I mean, he does catch the ball pretty well. He had I know, but there was three wide receivers and a DB and the DB won. I just I found it hilarious how terrible Kirk Cousins looked. Yeah. Jay Jettas was trying to do like the catch and they like, tried to do like the, the two balls together catch and Kirk overthrew him by 10 <laughs> yards. <laughs> I remember that. And it's like, dude, <laughs> just hit him. What? Like, holy crap. It's literally your wide receiver. You should know where he's yeah. going. It's true. Like, I like watching that stuff, and that's why we'll we'll get quickly transition into the All Star Weekend. Let's no, no break. Quickly get through the NHL stuff. Um, All Star Skills Competition for the NHL was last night, and it was hit and miss. Like there were some really entertaining things. Um, yeah. I thought the uh, breakaway challenge was awesome. That Trevor Zegers goal was ridiculous. By the way, if you haven't seen it, oh, go oh, watch yeah. it. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, but then they had a lot of misses too. Like, no offense, that fountain thing was awful. Like, I get what they were trying to do, but it was awful. Right, Kyle? Yep. I mean, I only watched part of it because obviously I was playing hockey last night, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't. Good. Like there is parts of entertainment, sure. Like I, to be honest, it's the young kids that really made it good. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the fact that, like, even the fact that, and this is obviously not confirmed, but the fact that Ovi's faking getting COVID to miss the All Star game so he doesn't get suspended is astounding. It just shows the state of the All Star game. Yeah. yeah. Fun, the fact that Crosby, that? the fact that Crosby is happy he didn't get an All Star. So that he can stay home and not do it shows the current state of the All Star game. Yep. Like the, the NHL players just don't care anymore. 
Because, like, you look the last couple of years, people have literally, they're like, hey, yeah, give me a one-game suspension so I don't have to play in this game. Like, what does it say about the state of your current, like, your all-star games that a player would rather get suspended for a game to not play? Yep. Yep. I, I can't argue with you there. Uh, like, it's just, it's just insane. Oh. I'll, um, I'll add to Kyle there. If you listen in on the interviews that the reporters were doing with the players, you can see how disinterested all of them are. And they're like, seriously, that's the question you're asking me. They're like, so how do you feel being at the All-Star game? And I'm sitting there making sarcastic comments going, I'm, I'm here so I don't get fined at the end of the day. I'm here so I don't get suspended. It's basically the answer most of these guys should have because no one looked like they wanted to be there. They're like, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's uh, whatever. And like, just to piggyback on the pilots thing, I don't think people were very happy. I think the best part of that was the, the Zagreus goal. And, um, you know, I, I like the, the blackjack event, the um, shooting blackjack event. That was really interesting. Uh, Nazim Kadri doing well. So always happy when he's, you know, doing well, even though he's on the abs team there. But um, yeah, like I, I actually sat and watched this whole one and I haven't done that since early 2010s. So Nope. crazy me but it's okay you can tell people don't want to be there the fans are like eh, yeah. yeah whatever it was it's vegas it was fine like as i said there was some hits and there was some misses they need to just build but, off but you know who didn't miss sebastian Aho. sebastian oh very true he looked good in that competition he just made that look way too easy like, yeah just not fair um Quickly, let's talk about the Rocky Wirtz comments, boys. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks chairman Rocky Wirtz went off on a tirade this week and off of a reporter's question. Um, I'm going to play the comment quickly, guys, and then we'll we'll talk about it. But, man, it was, uh, it was something. Mark Lazarus, The Athletic. Um, I guess my question would be for Danny. I, I know we're looking forward here, but I think we have to look back also and – I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question at okay. the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. And like you heard the question from Mark Lazarus there, who... I thought it was a fair question. He wasn't actually asking about what happened. 
No. He, he was asking what they're doing now to yeah. avoid having something like what happened with Kyle Beach happen again. And the fact that, A, it wasn't even directed at Rocky. It was actually directed at his son. And Rocky just took the question and went off like that was a problem. And I know he's apologized. I get that. But what was the whole point of this tirader from like I just didn't understand why he got so offended by a fairly fair question. I think it comes down to the fact that they are still struggling to to handle the situation. All eyes of the NHL in the world of sports is on them and I think that it's kind of catching up and they're they're getting a little bottlenecked with it and um, they found a victim. They, they needed someone to ask a question on a, a particular day and he was waiting to say all those things. And I think that's what happened was uh, they're in that spotlight and a lot of, you know, like Wayne Gretzky's quote, like I'm looking at this now, he's like, you know, as a parent, you're sitting here going, my son is 18 years old. He's going to be drafted by that team. I want to know my son is going to be protected. Like a lot of people are questioning the protection, the level of care, the level of understanding, the the level of, you know, bringing things into 2022 and being accountable, being held accountable, being transparent. Um, basically just repeating everything on my ethics paper here. But in, in reality, <laughs> you know, like you're, you want people to see that transparency and that accountability and being able to explain a situation that went wrong. And how are you improving on it? This sort of tirade just shows me that, yeah, you didn't agree with it. You don't care about the victim. Um, and you're trying to find your own narrative through this whole whole mess of whatever's happening, and and a little unfair. And um, much love to to Kyle Beach and John Doe who have gone through this. So um, you know, sending them third that John love. Doe but now. do we know who it is? There's a third John Doe now. Oh, there's a third John Doe. Yeah, like I, I'm, you know, I see this, and I, I've I've put a big question mark on the Chicago Blackhawks organization in general. Even the players in that organization that were there, I go, great players. Are you guys real leaders? Are you real people? Because, you know, that's that's the massive question mark I'm asking constantly. Um, so fair question. And it just shows you where the, the Blackhawks are in terms of, of the situation. Wow. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody here, but I'm probably going to. Um, it's an old man tirade. It's what it is. It, it's the it's the old guard not truly wanting to adapt to today's society. As Irfan said, it's it, you have to be transparent. And, and to be honest, it, it seemed like watching that video, it seemed like his son was ready to answer the question and give them the answers on what they're truly doing to get past this and move forward and get better. And th- this moron just didn't understand the question that was being asked. He just heard Kyle Beach and all of a sudden went, I'm flipping the switch. No, we're not talking about this. We're done. It's like, no, that's not the point of the question. The point of the question was, how do we have, like, what are you guys doing so we don't have a second Kyle Beach happen? How does this, how do we move forward and what is the organization doing? Because the organization's like reputation of being a great winning championship team is stained. It's, if I'm a player, I don't want to go play for Chicago right now. I, I, I don't. And, and to be honest, you know, I had high regard for, for Jonathan Taves before, and, and now that's stained too. I, 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 don't, I don't view him as a great leader anymore. I, 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 if, if there was a Team Canada, I wouldn't have Jonathan Taves anywhere near the team. And it's, it's one of those, 
it, it, it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality that if you stay quiet about this stuff, there's repercussions. And, and I, I get that. Well, I just want to be a professional, do my thing. You can't do that in today's game anymore. If there's something that goes on, you have to stand up. You have to say something. And it's 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 the harsh reality that these players just haven't adapted to it. And the whole organization hasn't adapted to it, too. And and it's one of those it's 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 sad to see this. I, I senile old man, I, I could have said very different words, but senile old man just essentially going on a rant when his son, who is the CEO, was literally like ready to answer the question. And he he has no problem answering the questions. And an organization shouldn't have a problem with answering questions like this. There shouldn't be a problem. It should be an open, hey, this, these are the steps we're taking. Obviously, you don't have to go into extreme detail of exactly everything you're doing. But say we're putting programs in place to have this. We're vetting our coaches or whatever you're doing. And little things like that that ease people's minds. And like all of a sudden, if you ease people's minds, some of the heat comes off that organization. Yep. If you're willing to move forward and willing to work with people, funny how things people are like, okay, okay, no problem. They're willing to work things. They're going in the right direction. This just further screwed the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, yep. it's even worse now, to be honest, because now even if they say they're going to do something, nobody's going to believe what they say. Yep. Nobody's, nobody's going to believe they're truly taking that next step because you've got this, this old man who just doesn't want to, wants to avoid the whole question altogether. And it's, it, it's sad. I do have something to add to that. It got me thinking and I made a note at work. So I wanted to say it. there's something in applied social sciences called from perspective, sorry, guys, uh, where if you give someone fair process, even if they don't end up winning that process, at least they know the rules associated with it and how they're getting to it. So if they're treated fairly, uh, they'll accept any outcome, even if it's not in their favor. Right. So I think that's what, what people were asking for in the end was give us some fairness and some accountability for it. And even if we don't get that outcome, it's like, okay, maybe that's not the deepest outcome. That's probably not what you can expect. But at least if you, at least if you said to them, you know, we're putting training through, we're going through a due process. Uh, we're working with alliance groups to do X, Y, and Z. I think people would have been like, actually, that's a good step. It's not yeah. what we want to see right away because you can't, you know, you know, flip a switch or snap your fingers and have something happen. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're little little increments of, of things and kyle i support you on that little yeah, time it's of a, it's, it's taking it's taking that first step and they haven't taken yeah. the first step yet that's the biggest thing yeah they've come out and apologized and whatever that's not the first step no. the first step is is making sure that it doesn't happen again that's the first step so you know what are the processes what are the processes you're putting in place to not have that happen again yeah you know what's crazy to me though? Like listening back to that again. Like I've listened to that way too many times, that little tirade there. Had he let his son answer the question after, like when he started to, because he his son did try to answer the yeah, question. Yeah, and then he cut him off. Right? Yeah. The second time he cut yeah. him off. Listening to that first part, all he's really saying is we don't want to talk about what happened again. And I, I get that. You you don't want to talk about what happened. But the question wasn't about that. So had he just said that part and then let his son answer what they're doing now, yeah, this is a non-story. Oh, 100%. Right? Because I understand them not wanting to talk about that. I get that. 
But talking about what you're doing to avoid that again, avoid that situation, is what the question was about. And now we're here talking about Rocky Wirtz as opposed to what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing right. Because from the sounds of it, they have taken some steps behind the scenes, but we don't know. That's the problem. Yeah. We don't know anymore. Um, well, and, and, and that's the biggest thing is if the public doesn't know, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Sorry. And, and where if, do they go from if here? The, if, if the public doesn't know and they don't know that you're truly making an effort and you have your moron chairman all of a sudden come out and just say, we're not talking about this anymore. It's, a, it's a, in the past. We're not talking about 2010 anymore. Well, no shit. I'm going to fucking talk about 2010 now. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's reverse. Like you want, you don't want to talk about it. Well, now I want to know why you don't want to talk about it more. So I'm going to go back into it. And I'm going to dig, dig deeper. It's just, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's quite literally it's like when you tell somebody, no, you can't have one. I want one. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> care if I get you. I don't care if you say I can't have one. I want one. It's one of the, it's it's just one of those things. It's literally like a kid with candy. It's like that's what the public is. Yeah. If and and as Irfan said, like if you gave them something, hey, we're working with programs, we're working with these, you know, these people. They've been great in the past, or they've worked for other associations or whatever. Um, we're we're truly trying to become a, a new Chicago Blackhawks franchise. The public would eat ate that up. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Great. You're working Love towards it. it. And then, you know, maybe six months down the line, do they want more? Sure. You give them something else. It's literally a kid with candy. You just give them one piece. Okay, we're good. Give them another piece. Okay, we're good. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's not as if that just covers things up. Yes, they have to truly make change. But if you want, pub, if you want positive public reaction, you have to give the public something. You can't shut it down and be like, no, we're not talking about it. That's the worst thing you can do. And uh, Lynn May wants to step in and say the first step is getting the old guard out of power, and then the next generation needs to step up. And it's it's one hundred percent true. It's the steps that yeah. need to be taken. Um, all right, boys, let's wrap this week up. Tire fires of the week, Irfan. You haven't done a tire fire yet, have you? Since we brought it back. No, no. So guess no. who's starting? Um, <laughs> I'm only here so I don't get fined. I, I can't give me give me a quick second. I'm gonna think of one. Okay, Kyle, go. Um, my tire fire. Um, I mean, I could go multiple different ways. I could go with how bad Manchester United's playing right now. Um, I mean, I could do that. I could also go potentially into Arsenal all of a sudden just trying to get rid of everybody and not truly fight for a fourth spot. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Man U. Um, I, I <laughs> of do course that. you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, yes, was that goal controversial? 100%. But you can't lose in the FA Cup to Middlesbrough. At home. Sure you can. They just showed that you can. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact the fact that Man U's in fourth right now, and I don't think they're gonna stay in fourth very long. Sorry, sorry to say that. Sorry to burst you guys' bubbles. No. I don't think it's gonna happen. Nope. Um it's just it's astounding. It, it's it's one of those this is a talented team. No, but it's a talented team. Yes, they but it's should, not astounding. 
Well, it's just one of those like it's. I mean, Martial is now off to what Sevilla, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Greenwood's out of jail now, but on he, bail he with we'll, the team. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Like those were two of your young studs coming into the year. Hey, yeah. let's see what Martial can bring to the the team. Let's see what Greenwood in a starting position could potentially bring to this team. Don't forget Sancho. Who oh yeah, yeah, non-existent. Well, he, I mean, he's finally showed up. He scored the other day. I know, but for most of the year, he's been non-existent. Agreed. I mean, I, I can't say I've watched too many Man U games. I mean, it literally seems like the only thing going for you guys right now is David De Gea. So, um, who also didn't saying, play yesterday. Well, I know, but that's also saying something. The fact that David De Gea, who we were saying like literally last year, was dead in the water and was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now all of a sudden comes back and he's one of the best keepers again. Um, I don't know what the hell the state of the franchise is. <laughs> Sorry to say it's, it's one of those, you guys are, I'm not going to put you on Arsenal's level, but you guys are one of the, Whoa. the Whoa. no, first off, they could literally pass you just saying, I know um, but we're not as dysfunctional as Arsenal. Shout out Haley. I'm, I'm making a joke. We are totally dysfunctional right now. Oh, I was going to say, you guys are the definition of dysfunctional. What I know, I'm talking kidding. About? I'm kidding, but I wanted guys, to make, you guys, I wanted you guys, to make a joke. You guys bring in a new manager, and the players don't want to try and play for the new manager. <laughs> They're like, no, no, we, we like the way we were playing before. We don't, we don't want to do that anymore. It's because he's not a good enough manager for this team. I don't know if anybody is a good enough manager for this team right now. Well, he hasn't managed in five years. Well, you have Ronaldo. He's probably old enough to manage now, isn't he? I, I say we just today. signed Wayne Rooney. Uh, well, sure. You could have got Lampard, and he wouldn't have been fine. Uh, no, but he uh, doesn't know the United Way. Well, I mean, I mean, he's what leading is the United Way. <laughs> he's, leading, he's leading Everton right now to a three-one lead over Brentford. Brentford, so Brentford, dude. <laughs> you guys I'm lost to Brentford. I'm aware, but it's still Brentford. I'm not. We're talking about how dysfunctional United is. I agree. I'm not denying that fact. And that's what. That's my point. Is that Brentford's not a huge win for Everton, despite the fact that they beat United. I'm agreeing with you. I'm building your point. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm helping it's, your it's point just, here. <laughs> yeah. It's just. It's to me. There's. There's a top three, and I think there's honestly. I think right now there's a top one, and then there's two three. Yes. Um in the EPL. And I, I thought, I thought it would have been a lot closer. Obviously Chelsea kind of fell off a bit with struggling to score for a little while. Um, and Liverpool just, I mean, they dropped some points here and there, but Man City's just truly been the best. And then I think, to be honest, I think there's probably four teams you could argue that are like that next group. And I don't think it's really close. So, um, I mean, it's weird, but to say that Arsenal and Man U are in the same in that same third group is yeah. Going into the season, I wouldn't have expected it. But then again, no. I also wouldn't have expected West Ham to be up there either. Yeah, or Wolves. I mean, I thought Leicester was going to be up there, but they've been yep not great. They've been inconsistent. Yeah. It's a good tire fire. Irfan, are you hey, ready now, or do you need me to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I got it. It's the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, seven game skid uh, you know I think the, the question mark going into the season has always been can Harden uh, Kyrie and and Katie show up together I mean Katie's out I get it but 
I mean, I still have a big question mark around this team. Uh, now there's rumors of uh, Harden being traded for Simmons. And I don't know what this organization's up to. Do they want to win? What are they trying to do to win uh, seven, seven games in a row? Sure, it's not a huge thing. It's not maybe a, a panic thing, but I think it's starting to get close to the time where they need to decide what their identity is as a club. Um, and do they want, like, what type of players do they want to win this? Um, I mean, Katie's probably the only one I think is guaranteed this day, but Kyrie and Harden seem to be, you know, becoming more unfavorable options for the Nets. Yeah, and that story, by the way, is hilarious. The fact that mm -hmm. they're going to trade for Ben Simmons. Mm. Trade I mean, James that could be Harden a tire fire of a Ben time. Simmons. Yikes. That's, uh, that's ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. My tire fire of the week, boys. I got to go with the NFL story. Brian Flores is suing the NFL over potential wrongful discrimination, which that in and of itself isn't of a tire fire. The tire fire is how it came about because it is based off of the fact that Bill Belichick sent him a congratulations text on getting the job with the Giants before he interviewed, thinking that he was talking to Brian Dable. How... How? I get that Belichick's an old dude. I understand technology is, is confusing to some. How does that happen? Kyle, seriously, how does something like that happen? How do you go out of your way to congratulate someone when it hasn't been announced, by the way, that he was hired and get the wrong name in your contacts? Like, how? I, I mean... Mistaken identity? I don't know. Um, I it's probably just have terribly saved in his phone, just terribly saved contacts. Um, I just don't get it. So who knows? I don't get Irfan. I don't understand how that happens. And now this whole thing comes out that he's that Flores is suing the NFL for wrongful discrimination and the failure of the Rooney Rule. <laughs> this is gonna be. Is this the end of Brian Flores' coaching career, Kyle? Seeing as he's literally the leading candidate for the Houston Texans job? No. No, but I mean, because he's suing the NFL, is this going to put a mark on him that teams will not want to touch him? That's my question. I know well, he's the, were, technically the leading candidate, gonna... but he can't, he can't sign with the league as on a team if he's suing the league. So he's not right now the leading candidate. People were saying he's going to be the Kaepernick of NFL coaches. And I mean, I think that'd be unfortunate because I think he's a great coach. Agreed. Um, but in saying that, I mean, this isn't a conversation for another day, but the Rooney rule is a joke. Yes. It absolutely. really is. Absolutely. Um, and I, th I think, I think the Rooney rule, although it's supposed to help minority coaches, it actually hurts minority coaches more than it does help them. Fair enough. So, um, because I, I think there's a lot more pity interviews, not you know, not to say that word, but pity interviews right. where it's, you know, they already signed, they already had Dabble as their coach, but hey, we still got Flores on on the books because we need to interview a minority coach on Thursday, even though we've already given the job away. Yeah. So That's it's like it, it it hurts it more. So, I mean, well, I really hope he wins, 
but if he does win, I don't think he coaches the NFL again. I, if he loses, I don't know if he coaches in the NFL either. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like this could be the end of Brian Flores, which is awful because he is a good coach. I mean, he took that Dolphins team and had two winning seasons out of three, mm-hmm. right? And it looked like he was coaching them the right way. Oh, just a a mess. Let's wrap it up, boys. I, I just oh go I, ahead. I, I just like one one last one last note. Sorry. Um, I just hate how this is all about Brian Flores and, um, you know, him suing the NFL and not the fact that the owner literally wanted to pay this head coach to lose on purpose. I didn't even get into that point. No, I know. I just, I think that's being, and not, not, I'm not saying with us, I'm just saying it's being overshadowed in general that we're not talking about that and we're just letting that slide. Yeah. Like it's just it's it, it's sad because you know Flores is trying to make a point, and all of a sudden now it's being slid under the bus that you know this owner was willing to pay a head coach to lose games on purpose. It came out at the wrong time. That so, was the problem, right? Like that that information came yeah. out after the fact that he was suing. And let's be honest, the suing the NFL is the bigger story. Unfortunately, yeah. just yeah. poor timing. Um, final thoughts. Erfon, start us off. Um, we hit fifty for touchline thoughts this week, so that was nice. Yay. I think that would be my final thoughts. Um, yeah, uh, and good to see you guys on a Saturday morning. Always good, Kyle. Kyle, sorry, my internet's terrible right now. It's um, <laughs> like all I of a sudden you just stopped like... like talking. I was like, uh. I'm hearing like three words at a time. So, um, yeah, I know. Final thoughts. Um, to me, I'm waiting for for next week for for Super Bowl. Um, definitely, that's my my bread and butter. Don't know if I'll actually watch the All Star game this weekend. We'll see. Um, not overly interested in it, but we'll, we'll see what goes on with that. And uh, no, yeah, we'll see. All not right. a whole lot of final thoughts. No, that's fine. Uh, my final thought, Olympics have started. Team Canada's women's team looks incredible in the hockey. Like, just stupid good. They dummied Finland last night. Um, also, congratulations, Irfan and Paige at Touchline Thoughts. 50 episodes is incredible. If you didn't listen to their 50th episode, I highly recommend it. A lot of fun going on there. Always fun listening to you guys. Also, I'm so happy we're all back together. I missed I missed having the three voices on this show. As as much fun as it's been just me and Kyle, don't get me wrong. It's nice to have all three of us here and it, it's it's good to be have you back, Irfan. Good to be back. Um, and that'll do it. So if you are looking to follow us on Twitter and Instagram respectively, it's at Nick McVicker, at Kyle Vardy, and at Irfan Manji uh, on both. You're looking to follow this show? It's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram, because Twitter has a character cap, and I need to get that changed because it's really bugging me. <laughs> uh, make sure you check out all our other episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast, and make sure you check us out on YouTube and Twitch as well for more content. We will be back next week to obviously preview the Super Bowl and whatever else 
happens in the sporting world. Until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.